So what to do when you don't know what to do? That's what I was thinking to myself as I prepared for this. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but uh, that's the thought for tonight, what to do when you don't know what to do. Uh, have you ever been in a situation you didn't know what to do? Uh, I'm sure all of us at some time or another, uh, at some point, have been in that situation. Maybe you're there tonight. Uh, something's going on in your life, you're not sure what to do. And so to some extent or another, we all have, have felt a little helpless at times. Uh, no doubt, and, but tonight I just want to share a thought with you that hopefully will be an encouragement that next time you're in that situation, you'll know what to do, and uh, there's nothing new tonight. I think if I told you you need to go to the Lord, I think everybody in this room would understand and agree, uh, so spoiler alert, you go to the Lord, uh, but uh, I do have some more notes than that prepared for you, so... Uh, but Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, says, I will lift up mine eyes unto the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. And so tonight, when we face things that seem insurmountable, we ought to look to the Creator for help. And so I trust tonight you've brought your Bible with you. Uh, and if you would, join me in 2 Kings chapter 4. I, I distracted some of you. You thought we were going to Psalm. Second uh, Kings chapter 4. Brother George, page 410. Okay, so he asked me where are we going to be tonight, so he had extra time to find it. Second Kings is a hard one. So, um, But we'll be in Second uh, Kings chapter 4, and uh, verses 1 through 7 is where we'll be tonight. And uh, We see a woman here that has found herself in a place where she's not sure what to do. And so let's pick up reading in 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse 1. It says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant my husband is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor has come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house. Save a pot of oil. Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of all thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought the vessels to her, and she poured out. And it came to pass, when the vessels were full, that she said unto her son, Bring me yet a vessel. And he said unto her, There is not a vessel more. And the oil stayed. Then she came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil and pay thy debt, and live thou and thy children of the rest. Father, we do thank you for this night. Lord, I thank you for your opportunity, Lord, to gather together with your people and to come before your throne in prayer and Lord, it's such a blessing to know that our church makes prayer a priority, and I pray that, uh, Lord, you'd be attentive, uh, Lord, to our prayers tonight. And now as we look to your word, we pray for your blessing. I pray, Lord, that those things that are said would be glorifying to you and would be honoring to you. And I pray, Lord, that there would be encouragement and help tonight. And we ask, Lord, that you would do a work that only you can do. And we'll give you the thanks for all of it. In Jesus' name, amen. 
So we see here what to do when you don't know what to do. She asked. In verse 1 it says, Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the sons of the prophets unto Elisha. So this woman was at a point to where she wasn't sure. Uh, no doubt at, up to this point she had done some things to try to figure things out. Uh, but she comes to the point where she just doesn't know what to do. And the Word of God is pretty interesting here. It doesn't say that she went and asked the prophet. She went to get some counsel, but she cried. And I looked that term up in the Hebrew, and, it, and that term there in the Hebrew really has the idea and the root to shriek and to cry out. It's not just a simple ask. It's, Lord, I'm at my wit's end. I need help. And I'll spare you guys a scream tonight. Uh, but if we were in the South, I'll guarantee you that preacher would really let her loose. But uh, the woman was crying out for help because she did not know what to do. She was at a point where she had no, they're, and they're going to take her kids. And I don't know about you folks, but what I know about women, that's a problem. Uh, for a mother, when somebody's going to come and take their children, that's a problem for a mom. Uh, at least in, in the two moms I've have experience with, my own mother, I would like to think she would have a problem with that when I was younger. But, uh, and I know Cindy would have a big problem with that. But her in going to Elisha, uh, the man of God, she's truly in effect seeking God himself. Uh, she just does not know what to do. And so she goes and she cries out to the man of God. And, and no doubt she's in despair. Uh, she, she does not know what to do. And so the idea here is she's vehemently crying out for the God to help her in this circumstance. Uh, listen, she's lost her husband. She's lost her money. There is nothing to look to in that regard. And to me, I, I would like to, to kind of think in this, she loses her husband. Eh, life insurance. But in her case, there is no life insurance. So I've lost my husband, oh well. I've lost my money, but they're going to take my kids. That's a problem. And I know for any mother, that would be a, a serious problem. And sometimes God allows us to go through things. Uh, maybe he, we uh, go through some trials and, and those, God's not getting our attention. So what does he have to do? He maybe turns up the heat a little bit. Well, I took your husband and now I'm going to take your financial well-being uh, well, that wasn't enough for you to, to look to me, perhaps. So maybe I'm going to take your children. And so I don't know what it is for you, what your breaking point may be before you seek God, before you cry out to God for help. And, and uh, <clears throat> so I, I think this was all probably happening pretty rapidly. Uh, I, I just, I don't think she was, oh, my husband's dead. Oh, well, no big deal. You know, I don't have any money. No big deal. Well, they're going to take my kids. I'm freaking out. I don't. I think it happened pretty rapidly, but, but my application tonight is sometimes we just let things go, and, and we don't seek, seek God. We just, well, that's not a big deal. I can, I can learn to live without that. But, but listen, when it came to losing her kids, for her, for sure, she began to cry out. Listen, the reality is what the circumstances of her life, she's at the end of her rope. She does not know what to do. It says here there's nothing in the house but a pot of oil. I don't know if up to this point she sold everything to try to meet the payments of the creditor. Um, but I want you to see something here in verse 2. 
<clears throat> the trial came even in the midst of them serving God. This wasn't chastisement necessarily. Uh, I believe this family was honoring God. Her husband had led the family spiritually. We see that in verse 1. Thy servant, my husband, is dead, and thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. Her husband was walking, and we know it's the sons of the prophets, and, and so this is a, a, a church family, if you want to use modern language today. These are the people that are serving and honoring God with their life, and um, this is, she says, you know that, that my husband, he feared the Lord and he's, he's your servant. He's been laboring for God. And, and so this is a family that's honored God with their lives and endeavored to serve him. Yet God still allowed trials to come. Where do you want, run when the trials come? What do you look to when things start to get difficult? Uh, when, when the heat gets turned up? Listen, we tend to run to all kinds of things. Oftentimes, all kinds of things other than God. Distractions. We immerse ourselves in work. Maybe we pick up our hobbies at a greater level. And I think a lot of times, I know for me, I'll be straight with you, at times I would immerse myself in my military career because it was, it was just easy. And you kind of just distract yourself in the hopes that this problem's just going to go away. That, well, things are just going to work themselves out. Uh, it'll blow by, it'll be over soon. Uh, or maybe we adopt the world's philosophies and we hit the self-help section at the bookstore. And we begin looking for everything other than to God. Listen, we might even look to God, but when it doesn't respond in our timing... We have a problem with it, and we look to something else. Don't ever forget that God's timing is not your timing. Maybe you're in here tonight, and perhaps you're just too proud to ask God for help. Just unwilling to submit yourself to the authority of the Almighty God, the Creator of the earth, and say, God, you know what? The reality is, I just don't know what to do. I need some help. Listen tonight, in time of trouble, there is no better person to turn to but the Lord. He desires for you to come to Him. Psalm 46.1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Psalm 52.22, cast thy burden upon the Lord and He shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And very well known, Matthew 11, 28 and 30, Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly, and ye shall find rest unto your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I get the idea that God desires for us to come to Him in our time of need. The problem is that we look to God as our last resort instead of our first. I don't know what's preventing you from looking to God tonight. I don't know the needs that are represented. I know some people have told me. But really, I have no idea what the deep needs of your heart are tonight. Do you have a need? Are you taking it to the Lord? He desires you to do so. 
If you are in need, cry out to God and ask for help. But number two tonight, she obeyed. Or she acted. So she goes to the man of God and she cries out in deep despair saying, God, I have no idea what to do. My husband's dead. The creditor wants to take everything to include my children as bondmen to pay the debt. I have nothing left but a pot of oil. What am I to do? So she goes and she seeks the advice of God's man. And in verse 5, so she, or excuse me, I got ahead of myself. And Elisha said unto her in verse 2, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? And she said, Thine handmaid hath not anything in the house, save a pot of oil. And he gives her some instruction in verse 3. It says, Then he said, Go, borrow thee vessels abroad of thy neighbors, even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. And when thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out into all those vessels, and shalt set aside that which is full. So she cries out to God, to the man of God, to Elisha, and saying, I have no idea. I'm at the end of my rope. I can't do anything in and of myself. And he gives her some instruction. And you know what? She was obedient. Look at verse 5 in the beginning of that verse. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and her sons and brought the vessels to her and she poured out. That is a very simple thought. That she was given instruction and she obeyed the instruction and she acted and did what she was instructed to do. But I'm afraid in our Christians' lives... We're not good at practicing it. We're good at saying it. We're good at admitting what needs to be done. And we even agree with the man of God or the word of God or, or with God when he, he speaks to us via the Holy Spirit. And we agree with everything that's been said. But we fail to act in obedience. But as we see, this woman did not fail to act. She did. After receiving the instruction from the prophet, she went from him and shut the door and got to work. He said, listen, there's work to do. She acted on what God through the prophet had instructed her to do. Tonight, I want you to think of this question. How often do we expect the, expect the blessings of God in our lives, but are negligent to take action on the word of God in our lives? We beg for God's blessing. We say that we need God. We say, God, I want you to intervene. I need you to do something on our behalf here. But we're negligent on executing the instructions that he's given us. We neglect the word of God. The statistics for Christians that actually read their Bible are dismal. I won't even waste our time to go into them. But listen, I know in the experience of my life, in my Christian walk, my Bible reading isn't always where it's been, or ought to be, or where it's been. Are you neglecting God's Word? Boy, if you're not reading it, how can you even expect to execute any and obey any of it if you're not familiar with it? And I'm telling you tonight, what you're getting on Sunday and what you're getting on Wednesday, and, and perhaps maybe if you listen to some preaching on the side uh, and things, it's not enough. You need that personal connection with God's Word for yourself by reading it and ingesting it yourself. Uh, 
we neglect God, godly counsel often. People come to get counsel and they seek advice from people. I've had people seek advice from me, friends, uh, and they come to you and they're like, what do you think you do? And, and in my mind, it's pretty black and white. It's very simple. Uh, you're spending too much money. Spend less on these things that aren't necessities and you'll have enough. And it's like their brain doesn't work that way. And that's a simple example, but how often do we do that when we seek godly counsel and, and the man of God says, listen, here's what the word of God says. If you would just make application of this in your life, it would be of help. Now listen, it doesn't always solve the problem immediately. But you have to begin being obedient and acting on what God has already revealed to you. We fail to act upon what God has revealed to us, yet we get frustrated or even angry that God is not doing His part. How dare we accuse God of not doing His part if we're not faithful to be executing what He's already revealed to us? You know, Pastor, we have the slide on Sunday. We got the, the, the five to thrive and talks about the giving and the prayer and the church attendance and all those. Are we doing all those things? We know they're the right things to do, but how often are we neglecting one area or the other? Yet we expect God's whole blessing. But we're being negligent in our part. Uh, this would, woman wasn't negligent at all. And hopefully we'll unpack some of that here in a few moments. Listen to me tonight. God is not the problem. We are. If you feel like God's shortchanging you tonight, He's not. I assure you. He has been there for His people throughout, eternity, or throughout the ages. For eternity, we could say. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He's not changing. And, and, and there's example after example of Scripture how God's come through for people. But a lot of times there's a prerequisite on the individual's part to be obedient to God. So tonight, are you being obedient? If we neglect to get after the things that God has directed us to do, how can we ever have the audacity to blame God for the lack of a blessing or the lack of meeting a need? But oftentimes we see it in our churches. People get angry. They get frustrated at God. I don't know why God's doing it. And when you start looking a little bit deeper, they're neglecting the things that God's already directed them to do. Listen, God's never failed anyone. And He's not going to start with you. And so if you would begin doing your part, because some of it takes work. The oil didn't show up prepackaged Amazon delivery on the front porch for this woman. But the reality is in our, what is it, 21st century, 22nd century, something like that. But in our modern day, we, that's what we want in our Christian lives. We want God to, to deliver everything on the front porch like Amazon does. But that's not the reality of how God works. Uh, and that's not good for you anyway. Amazon, ugh, we got an Amazon package today. Every time I see that, I see dollar bills just flying away. But We don't see any indication of any delay in this woman's obedience. She cries out to God, says, God, I need something. I need your help. And God said, or through the prophet Elisha, he says, well, here's some instructions. 
Go borrow some vessels and get to work. And in verse 5, again, she says, So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons. And I like to add in there, and she got to work. She got busy about what God had directed her to do. She didn't start complaining, well, oh, I was expecting you just to take up an offering and meet my need. I was just hoping for things to just, you know, the church has money, right? Can I have it? No, she said, listen, if, by the way, and we'll get there toward the end of this tonight. Hopefully, I got a few minutes. We got a business meeting, so I'll try to cut it a few minutes short. But she didn't even have all the instruction yet. She was just told to go start pouring. She didn't know at this point what to do with the oil. She gets that direction a little bit later in this passage. So she delayed not, and she got busy about what God had instructed her to do. And so I'm here to tell you tonight, if you feel like God's letting you down, you need to get busy about what God's already asked you to do. And I don't know what that is for each individual, but I know in my life when I've been frustrated, when I've been down and discouraged and upset, a lot of times I can go back to where God had revealed something for Justin DeGarmo to do, and I was negligent, apathetic, or lazy in the execution of what he directed me to do. And that was the source of my frustration, disappointment, despondence, depression, whatever you want to call it, when I was upset with why, why I felt like God wasn't holding up his part of the bargain. But it wasn't God, it was always me, every time. And so tonight I challenge you to examine yourself. And if you feel like God's just not holding up his end of this deal, I would be confident to say that you're going to probably find something in your life that he's asked you to do that you have not been obedient in. If we ever expect God to do anything in and through us, we must be obedient to the things that we have heard and act on those things that God has revealed to us. It's that simple. Uh, we can't expect God to do anything if we're not doing our part. You guys have, I'm sure, heard this. When we get to the place where we find God is all we have, we find He is all we need. Listen, sometimes we just need to get serious about what God's shown us and begin doing what He has asked of us, and we'll find that's all we need. Luke eleven twenty eight. but he said, Yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. James 1, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. Listen, you can be deceived by your own self, by your lack of obedience to doing the word of God. Luke 6, 47 to 48, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show uh, you to him who he is like. He's like a man which built a house and dig deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon the house, and he could not shake, and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. Listen, if you're not being obedient to what God has directed you to do, you're not prepared for the storm. So when you are in need and when, when the trial does come in your life, you are going to be discouraged. You're going to be frustrated because you're not being obedient to what God has directed you to do. Are you living in obedience to all that God has shown you tonight? Can you honestly testify tonight that everything God has asked of me 
Everything that God has revealed to me to deal with, to accomplish, to do, I'm being obedient. If not, don't expect anything to change. Don't try to hold God accountable for something that you're expecting of Him when you're not being obedient to what He has asked you to do. And listen, that's just that which is your duty to do. So don't, don't think that you're special either. But anyway, he that refuseth instruction despiseth his own soul. But he that heareth reproof getteth understanding. Proverbs 15.32. Well, you've got to take heed and begin doing those things. If you have asked God for help, and boy, maybe you're in that crowd tonight that has received the instruction. You've been faithful to execute and obedient in the areas that God has asked you to be. Then tonight, she trusted. You need to trust God. Listen, she was prepared to use the last of all that she had. It takes faith to pour out all that you have left and trust God for the results. And I I thought this was interesting. God blessed her. I think we can see an example of God blessing according to her level of commitment. Here, everything that she had, save this pot of oil, the last thing of value. Uh, I'm going to give it up and follow the direction, the instruction that, that God has given me. And she was told to borrow not a few. We don't have the numbers. We don't know how many she had. Uh, we don't know amongst those neighbors. And it says to go abroad, you know, don't just ask your next door neighbor. They might have one. But, but ask everybody. To borrow not a few. <clears throat> I can almost hear the prophet saying, don't limit your blessing by gathering little. I really think this woman was all in. And as if you, if you look at the Hebrew, which I did a little bit, and believe me, I'm not an expert, um, but the word pot and the word vessel are different words in the Hebrew here. She says, I have a pot of oil. Near as I can tell, the pot is some type of a flask or canteen, smaller size vessel, if you will. And the word that uh, Elisha uses as vessel when he says to go borrow those vessels has the idea of a larger, maybe storage container. And so um, I, I believe this woman went out and bought as many storage, con- or borrowed as many storage containers as she could. She was all in, and then she was willing to take that last thing of value in her home and to begin pouring that out. She just trusted the instruction of her God. The oil stayed only when the vessels ran out. Boy, at that moment, can you see her? Hey, son, I need another one. Mom, there is no more. Can you imagine the disappointment? I mean, I don't know how many there were in the home, but I get the picture of of a woman that had a little pot of oil, and she goes out and borrows all these vessels, and, and now her whole living room was, I don't know, back then they probably had one-room homes and stuff, but, but the whole house is full of vessels. And every single one of those vessels is full of oil. And, and almost the disappointment when you're, when you're I mean, this, this thing's still pouring. Give me another vessel. 
And her son's like, hey, that, that's all we got, mom. You're going to have to stop. And, and so the oil stays. And so the, the blessing was only limited by the amount of work and the effort that they put into borrowing those vessels. Boy, can you imagine? I wish we would have got one more. Boy, if we could only gather two more, can you imagine what God would have been doing for us? And so listen tonight, uh, when, when you go in this Christian life, when it's time to obey, go all in. She gave the last of what she had. And we see what God did with it. And God blessed her above and beyond what she could even imagine or think. Listen, you can't go wrong trusting our God. Uh, he will be faithful to meet your needs. Uh, borrow not a few, he says. Don't limit your blessing. The oil stayed only when she had run out of vessels, and the blessing was only limited by the effort her and her sons put forth. The more gathered, the greater the blessing. Listen tonight, I'm encouraging you to give all, God your all. And just trust Him for the outcome. Unreservedly, just give it to God. When He instructs you, just allow Him to take control of the outcome. I have yet to meet anybody that's been disappointed in that. That was faithful to be obedient on their part. There are a lot of people that will blame God on things, but again, they haven't been doing what God has instructed them to do. But I've never met anybody that's been let down by God yet, and I don't expect to meet any. We need to be aware of limiting God's blessings by a lack of faith in action. Trust Him and be obedient and act in what He's directed you to do. Now unto Him that is able to exceedingly abundantly of all that we ask or think, according to to the power that now worketh in us. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in Him, and He shall bring it to pass. We could go, I did a search today, we can go verse after verse about how God is so faithful. He, he, he won't let you down. But tonight I'm going to tell you there is no guarantee or promises of excessive prosperity. There's only a promise really of sufficient provision. God doesn't always do it this way. And I'm going to try to be quick here, but um, <clears throat> the reality is God does not always bless or meet our needs in the way that we would prefer. We all want the, the vessels overflowing with oil experience. When we have a need, we always want God to come through on our behalf and, and to do something miraculous in a way that looks good to us. But that's not how God always works. And so my question is, will you trust them anyway? Will you truly put your faith in Him and trust Him regardless of how the outcome comes? Job in chapter 13 and verse 15, Though He slay me, yet will I trust in Him. The reality is God allows people to die. Listen, don't forget that the, the woman was widowed because her husband was dead. And this was a family of folks that, were, that feared God and, and were serving God and, and were honoring God with their lives. And we would say, why would God do that? Well, listen, we don't always know, but do you trust Him? Though He slay me, 
yet will I trust in him. Listen, God allows severe trials, even trials unto death. It's not always full vessels of oil. The widow's husband is an example of that, a man that feared God and was serving him. We like the stories of Job and his blessings after the trials. We like to hear of Daniel in the lion's den and how God stopped the mouths of the lions and the three Hebrew boys that were saved from the fire. We love to read about David and Goliath. And listen, don't misunderstand me. Those are great examples and reminders of God's power and His protection and how He works in the lives of people that were just like you and I. And so don't misunderstand what I'm saying tonight. But don't ever forget those throughout the ages that have lost their lives while serving God. Those like Stephen that were martyred for his faith early on in the history of our church or of of Christ's church. Paul, really all of the apostles, I believe, except John that was exiled to the island were martyred for their faith. And so the reality is God doesn't always come in and, and eliminate the problems and take away the, the trials and the troubles that we face. God doesn't always do that. He allows Christians to go through troubles and trials even to the point of death at times. Many have been martyred for the faith. I think of uh, the five men, Jim Elliott, Peter Fleming, Ed McCauley, Nate Say, and Roger Udarian that gave their lives while obeying the call of God in their life to reach the Alka Indians in Ecuador. They never saw the fruit of any labors. They just were obedient and followed the call of God on their life and went to the people that they believed God wanted them to reach. We like to hear the stories of how God does amazing things and we hear of uh, people being saved and, and those things, but the reality is these five men went to the mission field and were slain before they had the opportunity to really even interact with the people. The first real interaction with the people, they were killed. In our minds, we would think that's a failure. What a waste. Widows and and now children without fathers. Are you willing to trust Him regardless of the outcome? Your life may not be full vessels. Your life may be meagerly supplied vessels. Your life may be worse for some. Praise the Lord in our day and age in modern America. We typically don't have to deal with martyrdom. I don't fear for my life because I love Christ tonight. That's just the reality. The worst thing that's probably going to happen to me is somebody will give me a hard time, give me a ribbon because, oh, you're a Christian? Please. People have given their lives for this. C.T. Studd wrote this, and I believe it was Nate Saint that had it written in his Bible, uh, one of those missionaries that went to Ecuador, and said, only when life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. Boy, if we could remember that, it might save us from a lot of trouble in this life. Regardless of the outcome, we have a God that can be trusted. I know you guys have all heard it. The worst thing that they can do to me is send me to heaven. Do you believe that? 
Because we get pretty grumbly when things get just a little bit hard. Boy, ah, those guys at work, they just give me a hard time for being a Christian. Give me a break. But do we truly believe it? We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. Do you believe that? Are you willing to go through some hardship if God would allow? Maybe even unto death? I think perhaps we're too entangled with this life and all that it has to offer that we miss out on a greater blessing that God has for us because we won't let go and fully commit to Him and just trust Him and be obedient. It's a sobering thought to think of all those times that God spoke to me and wanted me to do something, whether it was witnessing or, or whatever the case may be, and I resisted. But if I had been obedient, what could God have continued to do in my life? And praise the Lord for a patient and long-suffering God that we serve, uh, that He's patient with us. <clears throat> Listen, you will not be disappointed if you fully trust God with your life. It is better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. Boy, don't trust yourself more. You're a man, woman. And they that know thy name will put their trust in thee, for thou, Lord, hast not forsaken them that seek thee. Psalm 9.10 Tonight, God will not forsake you. He will not let you down. Seek him. Be obedient to him. Are you in need tonight? Ask God for help. Be obedient to His instruction when you ask. And then listen, just trust Him for the outcome. It might not be the outcome that you want, but just trust that He has your best interest and He will take care of you as He promised. Worst case scenario, to be absent with the body is to be present with the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank You for this day. Lord, I thank you for your word, and I pray, Lord, that you would just use this word to encourage and to strengthen us. Lord, I pray that we would be an obedient people. And Lord, that whatever you've put on our hearts, <clears throat> whatever you've revealed to us through your word and the preaching of your word, I pray that we would be obedient and that we would take action like the widow. And Lord, that we would be just confident that we can trust you and that you will bring things to pass for our good. And Lord, we thank you for all that you do for us. We pray that you'll be with our pastor as he's away. Give him safety and protection. Lord, bring him back refreshed. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. And now we ask for your blessing on the meeting to follow. In Jesus' name, amen.